Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Simon Hughes, the analyst inside cricket, and I'm afraid our pessimistic predictions have come to pass. Cummins, fifth ball of the over, bowling the Wokes. Short one, and he's edged it, and that'll do it! After being humiliated in England two years ago, the Aussies, in the most emphatic fashion, have pounded England into submission and won the Ashes 3 0. Yes, Australia. Have a look at the boys in that huddle. They are pumped. And all the emotion and the frustration of the last 12 months and the last couple of tours to England. They're all out now. 3-0, Ashes regained. Steve Smith pumping the arms up there. Oh, it might have been not Nathan Lyon. Yep, was. He is pumped. It was. Look at Lino. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> ah, jumping around. Oh, how good just to watch. Quarantine that off spinner tonight. <laughs> yep. Well, that, that is a great moment for these fellows. How many had to endure England 2015? Seven or eight of them? Yeah, it would have been. So the scars are now mended from there. This has been such a series for them. England have had their moments, but Australia have outplayed them when it counted. And that. England got 400 in this innings and uh, in this match and were beaten by an innings. Yeah. Go figure. They've been pounded, Skull. They've been poleaxed. Well, that was the commentary from Triple M radio station, which is one of actually four radio stations covering this because it's three Australians and one BBC. And there's endless commentary boxes in this wacker stand because there's also two TV companies covering it as well but I thought the Triple M guys just give it that sort of typically boisterous Australian kind of atmosphere they were really up for it you could hear the excitement from Jamie Brayshaw there Kerry O'Keefe and a little bit from Mitchell Johnson as well it's infuriating but they deserved it didn't they and I, I guess they're entitled to to celebrating it properly absolutely Australia totally ruthless during this series I think they have outplayed England 
batting and bowling. They've got all the cards. England haven't got enough cards, and one of their main cards is not here, clearly, in Ben Stokes. And I always said that it was going to be difficult for England to come here and retain the Ashes with Ben Stokes without him almost impossible. In fact, as it's proved, impossible. And you know, now the aim is, can they prevent a whitewash? Can they prevent 5-0? And if the weather stays reasonable in Melbourne and Sydney, you just feel that Australia, if they've got that desire, just a bit better over five days. And it's, it's going to be really tough for England. If they've got that desire, and of course if Mitchell Stark is fit... because Well, he... that's the key, actually, because of course they've got the desire, I think, especially having had two 5-0s in the last three Ashes series in, in Australia. But I think that they're lucky that they've got those three fast bowlers all working in tandem, all fit so far. We always said, didn't we, if those three fast bowlers stay fit, or if their fast bowlers stay fit, they will win the Ashes. Well, they've won the Ashes, and those fast bowlers have stayed fit, but Mitchell Stark, I don't think, will play the next test. And that will be, that's a massive opportunity for England. He's a leading wicket-taker, although actually at times he doesn't look that threatening. He's taken key wickets. He's always taken wickets, and he's a great foil for the other two who are a little bit more accurate, certainly Hazelwood, and to a lesser extent Pat Cummings. I think without Stark, they won't have that cutting edge quite the same. And it'll make it much easier for England. It's almost like balancing the fact they haven't got Stokes with Australia haven't got Stark, actually. So I hope and and, and believe that England can win one of the last two Test matches. Going back to, to this game, the... Uh, I, I guess in a way, you know, talk about ruthlessness and the way they exploited the conditions today were, were superb. And actually... Just that last incident where they hit Anderson on the head, first ball when he came in to try and seal the ashes, I thought that underlined their hostility and their desire to clinch this series at the earliest possible opportunity, clanging Anderson on the side of the head. It was plucky of Anderson to, to carry on as well. It would have been pretty ignominious, though, if the ashes had been lost with a retired hurt. Not, you know, Jimmy Anderson... Battled on. They actually batted quite well for 20 minutes or so. They, they played some quite intelligent cricket, in, including running a bye off the yeah. last ball of the over. I yeah. really liked that. Yeah, I did. But look at it. England were 368 for four on the second day, and they lost by an innings. I'm sorry, but you know people always look back at that and go, well, we had opportunities in this series. We had them at 200 and something for seven in Brisbane and we could have bowled them out in Adelaide after winning the toss and we didn't quite clinch it in those cases. In this, this test match, they could have made 500, but they didn't. They weren't quite good enough. And the Australian fast bowlers were more potent than England's bowlers on these tracks. In a way, I don't think that there should be sudden knee-jerk reactions. There always is, isn't there? At the end of an Ashes yeah, series... Sack everybody. We, yeah, sack I mean, everybody. People, Bring you know, them get, home. Get the coach out. He's rubbish. You know, captain. Why was he captain? That ruined his batting. I don't think it's, it's like that at all. They need one guy who can bowl above 85 miles an hour consistently. Well, closer to 90, really. Yeah, closer to 90 miles an hour. And, and I thought, actually, that Chris Wokes was shaping up well about a year ago. He was bowling at sort of 87, 88, but I think he's quite a plain bowler. They need someone with a bit more deception. Mark Wood, obviously, is someone who has that, but he just never stays fit, and I don't think he's quite good enough. He's not in the category of of Pat Cummings or Josh Hazelwood. But look at Josh Hazelwood. He, at the start of last year, was bowling about 83 miles an hour. Now he's bowling at 87 and 88, just by increasing his run-up speed. And I think his desire 
to bowl quicker. I think we could do that perhaps with someone like Craig Overton, work on him a little bit, work on his fitness. He's quite a spare, wiry sort of physique at the moment. I think he's capable, like his brother, of bowling higher speeds. He's got that desire. He's got that slightly nasty kind of um, in-your-face type of approach as a cricketer. And you can't, in a way, make that. You're born with that. But I think you can make people into quicker bowlers. And that's one thing we need. And the other thing, long-term, is somebody who can really bowl consistent spin. Because a spin, we've managed to fudge the way round with, with Mo and Ali, who's a talented cricketer, but he's not good enough for England to rely on in, in high-class environments like this. You mentioned Craig Overton. Jamie Overton is a definite option yeah. for England in the future. He's got that same aggression that his brother's got. He's obviously, you know, looks like his brother as well, the same height. And you, you feel, and he's a bit quicker as well, and you feel they can get him on the park, he's, he's injured at the moment, and get him on the park, then he is an option in the future, especially out here. There's no good coming to Australia next time without a bit of pace, is there? You know, you've got to plan for it. You can't just turn up and hope. Trevor Bain is saying after the game, well, you know, we just picked what we've got. Well, mm. somehow there has to be a bit more long-term strategising, if that is, indeed is a word. Well, you've made it up to be one now. Well, <laughs> I, I thought, listening to you interviewing Joe Root at the end there, that though Joe is the, the loveliest guy, very decent and amiable sort of character, I just detected a slight tone of irritation in his voice, maybe because it was about the eighth interview that he was doing. But also I think he must be frustrated with the catalogue of events, starting with the Stokes incident in Bristol, then the silly things that have happened off the field here, plus England's lack of ruthlessness at times. And generally, he, he sounded to me... Frustrated. Hmm. What did you think? He looked like all captains look who've just lost the ashes, you know, deflated, that sense of, oh, you know, the spotlight's on me and this is the worst moment in my career, which it probably is, isn't it? If you're an England captain, you come to Australia, you've got the ashes and you have to hand them back over. You know, it is the worst moment in any cricketer's career. He just looked stunned, really. I mean, he shouldn't have been that surprised because to us, I mean, we can be objective, of course, we can look at it off the field. You know, it felt like England were going to lose here. It felt like that for a a day or two, really. I didn't give them much hope of getting out of this. But, you know, it's it's never easy. The focus is on you. You've talked about my responsibility and, of course, he hasn't scored any runs. So that must just be undermining, draining him as well. I think it's quite a draining experience, isn't it, to to captain out here, especially if you're losing it. Everything is is tough out here and the focus is on you. I know the word you you were thinking of. I I think it's almost a haunted look. That's the word, haunted. And I remember actually Mike Atherton having it quite often in both Ashes series and also at times in the West Indies as well. And it's partly due to this sort of exasperation at seeing those defining moments of game stolen, particularly by potent bowlers, either fast bowlers who come at you with all the guns and, you know, round your head and, and really make your life difficult, or, of course, in... In the case of Australia, a brilliant spinner like Shane Warne who, who just tricks you into mistakes and keeps stealing those defining moments and, and swaying the tide towards your team. Here's a question for you. A lot of the England players have said, you know, we're not that far away from Australia. We're quite close. We've competed in, at certain times of the, the test matches out here. How, how close do you think the teams are out here in these conditions? Do you think they're actually quite a long way up? Apart from each other. I think with those fast bowlers, they are, actually. And you look at the results. 10-wicket win in Brisbane. 120-run win in Adelaide. With a 200-run first-innings lead as well. I mean, England sort of dragged themselves back into the game. But they conceded a 200-run first-innings lead. And and Adelaide, where the conditions were were pretty much in England's favour, 
for a lot of the time, and they won Australia by 120 runs there, and here they won by an innings, and three of the last five test matches overseas, when England has scored 400, they've lost by an innings. So that makes me think, A, the batsmen aren't really capitalising, but more importantly than that, the bowlers are not taking wickets. You can't keep conceding five and 600 runs without saying to yourselves, look, these bowlers are not doing enough. What they need to do differently is harder to say, because... You're working with a 31-year-old in Stuart Broad and a 35-year-old in Jimmy Anderson who quite hard for them to change the way they bowl. But they need somebody younger coming through who can be the enforcer. And at the moment, England just don't have that. And I think that would make a big difference. And there's inexperience in the batting, although some of those players have, have shaped well at times. I thought it was a breakthrough test match for... Darby Milan, past 50 in, in both innings, century in the first innings. It's that sense of, yeah, I, I belong at, at this level. That can, be a, that can be huge for a batsman. You might look at his dismissals in both the first and second innings and say they were dis- disappointing dismissals, but he has scored close on 200 runs in the match. So definitely a breakthrough test match for him. And you know he's not just penciled in for the future now. He's inked in for, for a while. Yeah, and in fact, I would eventually probably move him to number three, actually. I think Vince and he should swap places. This is a tough attack to, to deal with and have scored 200 runs against them for him. And Johnny Bairstow also, a very important 100 that, that he scored to reaffirm everybody's knowledge that he is a very, very serious test batsman and should be employed as such. When Stokes eventually comes back to number five, then Bairstow slots in at six. That does give you a bit more solidity, which, which England have obviously lacked. So I can see an order in the future of someone with Stoneman, hopefully Cook, if he rediscovers his appetite for the game, and then Milan at three, Root at four, Stokes at five, and Bairstow at six, and that's pretty strong. So it's really the bowlers they need to now focus on and two areas for bowling, obviously pace and spin. Somewhere England need to find a spinner they can rely on. Look at Graham Swan's influence on the Ashes winning tour of 2010-11. Massive. Mm. You know, he gave the bowlers respite. He took wickets himself. He was a canny you know, guy who got under the, the opposition's skin. And that's another thing England haven't had. Without Stokes, they haven't had a guy to lift them in the field. You'd hope Anderson would be able to do that, but he's not really that kind of character. He's very good at bowling his overs, but I don't feel he's a galvanising influence on the field, except in English conditions. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the bowling. Of course, that bowling attack is absolutely fine in England. That's the problem, isn't it? England fine at home, not too many problems at home. Although, you know, they, they did lose two tests to Pakistan the summer before last, and they lost to West Indies last summer at home. They lost to South Africa at home. So they, they're dropping a few games at home as well. I suppose we're judging them against past records when they've been pretty strong for you know a decade or so at home, where all comers have been largely brushed aside. But away from home, I mean, their record is miserable now, and. You know those who are planning future tours. They, you know, they they need to find the bowlers to win the Test matches abroad. Otherwise, this is just going to go on and on and on. Now, Australia obviously a hard team to beat abroad in in Australia. Uh, partly because of the the skills in the team, partly because of all the support staff, the ex great players hanging around them. I lost count of the number of. Ashes winning stars in various commentary boxes up and down the ground here. One of those is Adam Gilchrist, who's been working for BT Sport on this series. And I just caught up with him quickly after the game today and asked him what sort of influence he's had on this current side. I'm really close with Darren Lehman. We we talk a lot. I don't have any official role in in Australian cricket. But, but yeah, I've forged some nice relationships over the years with the Marsh boys, being here in WA and 
you know, particularly close to them. But I try to keep in touch with just about all the players, really. If, if mainly more just to letting them know that as past players or as a past player, we're really supporting them and really hopeful that they're going to do well and 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 produce their best. And and if they don't, to be there to support them and know that we know how you feel. We're we're not looking to gun you down or cut you down. Uh, we know the trials and tribulations. So try to stay in touch with most of them. I've got their phone number in my phone and ping messages back and forward. But, but Darren Lehman I'm particularly close with and I enjoy talking and, and allowing him to bounce ideas off. If for no, you know, I can't say that I've given him any sage advice that's tactically changed the game, but it allows him a chance just to use me as a sounding board. And the key to this series so far, the, the 3-0, I mean, what, what, what do you see it as? Oh, the fast bowling unit, uh, well the bowling unit for Australia, including Nathan Lyon and the batting of Steve Smith, you know, that, that simply that, the two significant differences. Well some quite straightforward analysis there from Adam Gilchrist, and actually one area we haven't touched on I suppose is the Steve Smith's indefatigability in the middle, I think he's averaging something like 130 in this series, and it was always important for the top players, the experienced players, to stand up, and certainly in Australia's case, he did. That must make it even harder for Joe Root to see his opposite number churning out all these runs, and Joe Root losing side, first Ashley series as captain, not scoring the runs that he's talent suggests he should it, it must be really tough they're just you know standing at second slip or in the covers or whatever and watching him churning them out thinking oh, I've not been able to do this so far and it, that is a, a message to English batsmen isn't it because there hasn't really been a, a, a successor to Alistair Cook emerging someone who sells their wicket as dearly as possible and will just bat and bat and bat Smith that's all he does, isn't it? He just stays in and picks up his runs. He, he's a, not a very pretty player, but my goodness, he's effective. So England certainly need to focus on some, finding somebody who can do that because Alice Cook can't do it forever. Joe Root, I don't think he's ever going to be a batsman who quite plays in the same stubborn, bloody-minded way that, that Smith does. Root is always going to be a bit more of an entertainer, a bit more fluent. So that's another area England need to focus on, a successor to Cook, someone who's just going to churn out runs, chisel out runs, without any flourish and any, any flamboyance. So, three mm. test matches gone, yeah. two to play. What was your prediction at the start of the three series? 3-1 to Australia. 3-1. Well, mine's looking a bit dodgy now. I went for 4-0 to Australia. Two games to go, and this is weather around in, in Sydney or Melbourne. You feel, with these two teams, or well, the way test cricket goes these days, there is going to be a result. What do you say now for the rest of the series? I still think England could win one test. If in, in Melbourne, Mitchell Stark is missing and England just raise their game a touch. Of course, Craig Overton might be a doubt actually as well, which is a shame because he was starting to look the part, I thought, with, with the ball. So, you know, England need to find a bowling attack. Perhaps I'd play... Mark Wood in Melbourne. I think England have got an outside chance of winning that test and then probably Australia will wrap it up in Sydney because the spinner, Nathan Lyon, will come into his own there. So I'm looking at 4-1 to Australia now. What about you? Well, I worry about 5-0. I really do. What a happy note on which to finish. (laughs) So, you know, let's forget about the cricket, shall we? Let's go out and have a nice time in Perth tonight. Hope the sun comes back and enjoy Christmas. Happy Christmas, everybody. The ashes are gone. Happy Christmas to you too. And we'll speak to you from the first day of the Boxing Day test at the MCG and hope for some good news.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.